Hi, everybody. Mark's my name. I'm one of the pastors here at CA Church. Welcome to our online service. Take your Bible, if you have one there, and turn to the last book or last chapter of the book of James, starting in verse 13. We're going to finish this whole series of James today, and today we get to talk about prayer, specifically healing prayer. Years ago, as a young boy, I went to our, uh, we had these mixed family reunions. We called them mixed family rebellions. People from all across Canada would come, and we just love this. Not Canada, not the Ontario and beyond, but Manitoba and and everybody, and we would have a great time. Usually a long weekend was given to this, and we would end up with a bunch of trailers at a lake, and somebody would have uh, some fishing stuff and some water skiing. We had the world-famous rook card tournament, horseshoe tournament, golf tournament. It was, it was just fun, a lot of fun. One of the goofy things they did is my aunts and uncles would all line up on one side of an AV, a trailer, and the women on one side and the men on the other facing the the, the trailer, and then the women would all look underneath the trailer and find out uh, whose legs or whose knees was my aunts and uncles, and they would see who would do this. Weird game. I, I don't think my family gets out very much. The, the husbands would do the same thing later and find out whose knees they were looking at. It was interesting that we would, these people, the seemingly normal people, would roar with laughter over this game. And I just, it got me thinking about knees. In fact, a lot can be told about a person's character by looking at their knees. James uh, must have learned the importance of prayer from his brother Jesus. James became a great example of a man of prayer by praying so many hours every day, and that being on his knees, it resulted in his knees being knobby and inflated, and so he got the nickname, Camel Knees. Uh, Question today, how are your knees? What do they look like these days? Many of you don't know this, but there is a growing and great recommitment to many of our people on staff and just normal people who attend our church to be people of prayer. And they're getting on their knees and asking God to change them and to change us. This text deals with a part of that. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Please, if you are able, stand in respect of what we're doing here, reading the most important thing you're going to hear today. Is anyone among you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Anyone sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly and it would, that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed that the heavens would give rain and the earth produce its crops. Brothers and sisters, if one of you wanders away from the truth, someone should bring you back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. Lord, teach us today what this is about. We pray that we would continue in our walk with you as as prayer people and deepen that. And then specifically, the healing ministry, prayer ministry that we're hoping in our church will continue to grow. Uh, We want to hear from you today and obey you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm indebted again to numerous sources for this message, but specifically Rick Warren and Leroy Imes. Leroy was one of my teachers way, way back, and I just want to say thanks. Today we get to talk together and think together, hopefully renew our passion and commitment to prayer, and specifically healing prayer. 
It's a wonderful and powerful privilege to talk to God and know that he listens to us and speaks back to us. It is sad, though, for sometimes for people, some people are satisfied with an okay prayer life. Others are too afraid to even pray and definitely too afraid to ask God for miracles. So today I want to ask you to think together with me. James 5, we'll learn who should pray, how do we pray, all those kind of things. Now, today's going to be messy. Usually I like to have these outlines and one leads to two, which leads to three. There's going to be rabbit trails and side thinking and all kinds. Stay with me on this because I want to talk about the amazing divine truth of healing and the wonder that we have. So three questions. When should we pray? Who should pray? How should we pray? Simple as that. First, when should we pray? Well, the verse 13, the first part, we should pray when we're hurt emotionally. 13a says, is anyone among you in trouble? He should pray. The word trouble means to suffer greatly. We're not talking hangnail here. We're talking trouble. So that when the person is in trouble, our first posture is to pray. Notice the text uh, says he or she should pray first. Not just go and run and find a prayer person. First and foremost, if we're hurt or in trouble, we should pray for ourselves. It's our priority. I said this before. I can't read your Bible nor you read my Bible for me. God reminds us that we're all responsible to pray for ourselves and for others and to hear God for ourselves. The text goes on through all the ups and downs of life in any posture we find ourselves in. Pray. Don't worry. Pray. 13b says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. When things are good or when things are bad, we pray and we praise. God always invites us into his presence. And I find it interesting that God calls us to singing and making music, which reflects our soul's condition. Have you noticed that some people in church sit for years and, and, and never, never pray or never sing? People are so sad, and I've been to that place where you're too sad or you're bound up with unforgiveness to pray. Others don't like music and stop music. Well, I'm here to say you need, you need to get with God's program as singing and music is often a release for the pent-up problems of our souls. Do you sing in the shower or maybe in the car because sometimes you just can't help yourself? You see something, you do something, you love the music. It's God's way of preparing our hearts to encounter him. For he is a God who sings over us, the Bible says. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight over you. He, he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over, over you with singing. I remember when I, our kids were born, all four of them, they were in the delivery room and, and this little bundle gets given to me. What do you do? You just marvel and you sing. I remember doing that for all four of my kids. We forget the fact that God sings over us. Many people are too afraid of, afraid of God. They, they don't want to come clean. You need to know he loves us more than we'll ever understand. Amazing. Folks, we need to continue to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. The text is not asking us, can we sing? But it is asking us, will you sing when things go good or things go bad? So the second answer to the question is, when should we pray? We should pray when we're hurting physically. Is there any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The word sick literally means uh, lacking strength. It refers to a serious injury. In fact, Lazarus and Dorcas, the term is used of them and they died. So we're not talking about a tiny thing here. 
you're really sick. Do you know where there's at least five kinds of sickness listed in our Bible? In one of these uh, rabbit trails right now. First, sickness of death or for death. Many of us experience this. Death and sickness is how God makes, takes us home to be with him forever. I remember I was uh, grieving over my, the death of my mom and my dad said, remember Mark, it's God's way of getting us into eternity. We got to die. It's his way of being, of taking us together to be with him forever. God never meant for us to live here forever. He always is preparing our, a home for us in heaven. So we will be with him forever. Secondly, sickness for discipline. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight speaks of those who have abused or belittled the Lord's Supper, and there's discipline to that, even to death. Thirdly, there's sickness of Satan's touch. Job chapter 2 spoke of how the forces of darkness gave Job a terrible sickness. Fourthly, sickness from sinful activities. 2 Chronicles 26 spoke, speaks how King Uzziah was struck with leprosy because of pride-filled worship. Often, I'm reminded of a lady who was dying of lung cancer, and yet she wouldn't quit smoking, two packs a day. And she was wondering and asked me, why is God doing this to me? Sometimes the consequences of our sin catch up to us. Fifthly, there is a sickness for the glory of God. John eleven four 4 says, when G Jesus heard this, and, and what are you speaking there, was that Lazarus was sick. He said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Isn't that amazing? Remember, soon after Jesus said that, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. God uses sickness often to draw glory to himself and understanding what it is to be in the kingdom of God. Many times God gets our attention through sickness. Quick side note now. There's, there's quickly, let's name the four theological perspectives that people choose as it relates to the truth of divine healing. First, there's the sensationalists. These are usually TV evangelist pastors, dudes with lights and cameras and smoke and mirrors and all that stuff. Highly charged atmosphere. Be very careful here, folks. I never see Jesus ever hyping up the crowd having more and more faith or belief. In fact, usually Jesus took people person by person from the crowd and did one-on-one -on -one ministry with them. And then he even would say, and don't tell anybody now about this healing. Jesus was never a showman. And it was about meeting the individual's needs and providing for them from his identity and mission, not to hype up a crowd with trickery. Remember Moses and Pharaoh and the magicians of Egypt duplicated some of the miracles of God? Here's the truth. Not, only, not all miracles around us are from God. We need to be very careful. Secondly, there's the claimers. These people claim that they, that, that, because it must be God's will. It's always God's will that, he, that people are healed. And you, what you need to do is claim it and say certain things a certain way. There's a certain way to prayer. And, and it's like having a genie in the spiritual bottle. It's, that's not how God works. Thirdly, there's dispensationalists. They, they, they say healing is over for today. It was fine for the apostles and that kind of thing. Jesus healing, but not for today. And I totally disagree. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, forever. Hebrews 13, 8. What he did then, he can do now. And he does do it now. He heals. Fourthly, there are those who believe like we do. It's called divine healing. This is our, our position theologically. We believe that Jesus took our place to heal our bodies and our souls. Isaiah 53 verse 4 reveals that the healing and redemption is found in Jesus. Grasp this text. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God himself, stricken by God and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep gone astray. Each has been turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him our iniquity. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we have been healed. Amazing. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, when evening came, many were demon-possessed, were brought to him. And he drove away out those spirits with a word and healed the sick. This was to fill what was spoken of in the, uh, by Isaiah the prophet. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. Same thing is said in Matthew 15. Jesus healed. It goes over and over. Jesus healed. He was the one in the Old Testament that was prophesied would come. And healing is one of the proofs that he is the Messiah. This does not mean that God always zaps us with healing and health. But the death of resurre and resurrection of Jesus brought us forgiveness and healing for our spirits, our souls, and our bodies. It is God living in us that gives us health and healing. Now, Jesus does not always fix every problem. In fine, and sometimes he, he doesn't heal us and uses our problems for the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean there are not times that he does come into our presence with his power. So folks, what does God ask us to do as sick people or as elders? James 5, 14 says, Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The first move for all of this process is to pray for ourselves. The second move is that we ask other people, specifically elders, to pray for us. To call the elders and pray, is it reveals our faith, whether we believe God or not. Christians trust and believe God to do the impossible. That's just who we are. We are to be a people of faith, and here is where we live out our trust in God, as God. That's a faith step that we ask people to pray for us. The Bible, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, tells of a time when four people carried this sick person, their friend, to Jesus, ripped up the roof, remember, and dropped him down. And it says, and seeing the faith of these four dudes... Jesus healed that person. Sometimes it's other people praying for us. Sometimes it's praying for ourselves. Here's where we see how God works through community of the local elders board and the ordinariness of his people to pray. God uses the spiritual authority of the elders of the local church to be conduits of God's grace, to flow to the people of the church. The implication is this. This text is speaking to the local church and all those who belong to the local church. God's people are always part of a trusted church community that is led by trusted and proven elders. One of the great responsibilities that we as elders have is to pray over those who call CA Church their church, submit themselves to God's chosen leaders, and be open by faith to hearing what God wants. Elders are not simply business people who pray a bit. Elders are a group of people that God has ordained to lead in a specific time of a church and to be a conduit of God's grace for all He wants to do in and through us. The elders of our church do not talk lightly or take lightly on this. In fact, many times I hear them say that praying for people is their most favorite thing that they do as elders. Another question from the text is, why do we anoint people with oil? Oil symbolizes the work of the Holy Spirit all through the Bible. This oil is not medically given. This isn't for a wound or something. It's talk, it represents the Holy Spirit coming upon a person, helping a sick, sick person. Rather, it is, 
is a reminder of the Holy Spirit who appropriates the work and presence and power of Jesus in us, to us, and through us. There's another question. Why is this done in the name of the Lord? The point is that is made here is that God is our healer, not the elders, not someone who is gifted, not the oil, not the wonderful prayer, nothing. God is the one who heals. He is the one that does all of that. To ask for healing in the name of Jesus is to draw on the authority and character and person of Jesus himself. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 3, verse 6 with Peter and John. They were going to the temple to pray, and a handicapped person was there, and he, he was begging at one of the city gates, and Peter looked at him, it says in the Bible, and then he says, I don't have much, but what I have I give you. Take up your bed and walk, and, and the guy was healed. Peter and John simply drew on the authority and character of Jesus to see that miracle happen. James 5 continues, verse 15, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Again, this is not the prayer of faith that heals people. It's praying by faith in Jesus and trusting the work of the Holy Spirit that people are healed. I prayed for some people with no elders around and no oil in sight, and God has answered with yes. I have prayed with others, with elders there who prayed with the descriptive prayer we do with the anointing of oil. Nothing. There's no cookie-cutter approach to this, to this healing prayer stuff. Another point of understanding is that God is not held hostage by us. We prayed a certain way. He owes us this. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not about an anointing of oil or anointed person. God says this, so he has to do his part. He doesn't have to do anything. He is God. He is great. He is good. At times, the elders pray for forgiveness and spiritual freedom for people because there's a correlation between our physical health and our spiritual health. As we pray for people, we need to be cognizant of the connectedness of our lives, body, soul, and spirit, all together. And according to how the Holy Spirit leads us, we need to listen and hear His voice and what He's saying to us. Back to our text and some other questions. When should we pray? Well, we've already covered this. We firstly pray, then we hurt when we're hurting emotionally, and secondly, we pray when we're hurting physically. Now, thirdly, we pray when we're hurting spiritually. Thirdly, we're hurting spiritually when we, we need to follow James chapter 5, verse 16, where it says there, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Some spiritual issues needs to be dealt with by confession to other people, trusted friend, a small group leader, a known elder. Confession to another person breaks the power of hiding and shame. Many Christians need to use this. And in the ancient discipline of of confession, it, it is a, t a way to be healed and, and restored from spiritual brokenness and separation from a Christian community, and much, much more. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 to 10 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have no sin, then we make Him to be a liar, and His word does no longer have any place in our lives. Years ago, I wrote a brochure that I want to give you today and because I was seeing all kinds of people coming to our churches and they weren't preparing themselves for the elders to pray for them. You, we need to be prepared personally and, and, and we need to be prayed up and, and confessed up and ready for God to work in us and through us. And so I've got it for you. And if you come to, uh, go to our website or go to cachurch.info, it'll be there for you. 
please fill out that, that, that brochure. You're not going to show anybody that. But when you come, the elders are going to be asking you, did you see this brochure and did you do your homework? Because many times we need to prepare for God to take over our lives and move deeply in our lives. We need to forgive others and forgive ourselves sometimes. And so it walks you through a number of scripture passages and, and a certain, certain things that I'm asking that you would do. And then you come with boldness to the elders to be prayed for. Back to this text. All of us need someone to confess to and to hold us accountable and to pray for us and pray with us. So just so you know, if you come to the elders and ask to be prayed for, they're going to ask you, we're not asking about all your failures or anything like that, but is there something that you want to tell us that God is doing in your life in that form of confession? God's grace and forgiveness flows upon you often, but many times we're not prepared for it. So let's go on to answer the next question. Who can pray? Well, that's easy. We all can pray. Verse 16, second part of that verse says, to give us a simple answer, prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Notice, not a, a, it was a righteous person, not a perfect person, because there is no perfect people other than Jesus. When we accepted Jesus as Savior, He has declared us righteous and sinless and adopted us into the family of God. Prayer is welcome to all who know and follow Jesus. So th does this mean that we have to be spiritual giants to pray? Well, no. The simple answer is no, because... Because we're not worthy, I, end, I get all that. And we all have problems. Like the example that he gives in verse 17 and 18, Elijah. Elijah was an ordinary guy like you and I are. And yet when he prayed, God listened. And he was full of depression and fear and self-pity and resentment and guilt and worry and all those things. And yet it says, 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, when Elijah, that showdown they had on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, Fire fell from heaven to prove that Elijah was God's prophet and, he, and Yahweh is God. In fact, it says Elijah, in verse 17, was a human being, even as we are. You're just human like Elijah. And if God will listen to him, he'll listen to us. In, chapter, in, the, in verse 16, it says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful means waiting to be released. It's all set to go like dynamite. And effectiveness is the, is the power to get things done. So the same way that we turn on or leave it off in terms of a furnace, it will be powerful and effective when it actually works and does what it's meant to do and be. Keep people warm. Leave it off, it's ineffective. This text tells us that our prayers are releasing things that God is all is waiting to give us and that our prayers are effective and ready to accomplish what God wants to do in us and through us as we prayerfully ask Him for these things. The Bible calls us righteous in God's eyes, adopted as God's kids. Ordinary people asked to do extraordinary praying and God promises that He will hear us. Kids can pray. Old people can pray. Youth, young adults, adults can pray. God hears us. So who can pray? All of us, anyone, everywhere, at any time. So let's ask that last question. So how can we pray? All of us can pray, yes, but how? How can we best pray effectively? Well, let me give you four points. First, ask with the right motives. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend them 
what, on yourselves and your own pleasure. We live, folks, for God's glory, not ourselves. We live to serve others, not ourselves. So prayer for that will guide us in that. Secondly, ask specifically. James 4, 2 says we need to ask. Some of us not, not only don't ask, we, we kind of, this, we, we do this weird thing. Oh, Lord, bless us. Well, what does that mean? Pray specifically so you'll know when God says yes and God says no. Years ago when I was in seminary, a guy knew that there were a few of us in seminary that believed in healing prayer. And so he called us together and asked us to pray for him. He, he, he was real specific. He was a Vietnam helicopter pilot in the war there and, wound, and was wounded in battle. He was shot while he was flying over some enemy. And uh, a bullet came through the bottom of the helicopter, blew up his leg and um, did so much damage. And then when it hit the roof in front of the helicopter on his side, blew his ear, destroyed his hearing. But he wanted to pray. And he said, but, but be real careful. Either pray for my ear or my leg. I don't want both of them. Because if you do both of them and I'm healed up, I won't get my pension from the army. And so we prayed for one of them and God healed him. There's another guy, and just in the last church I was in, he came forward to be prayed for, and he said, "No, no, I don't. I've lost my my hearing in most of most of one side, and and a little bit less on the other side. I want you don't pray for my healing for hearing in both, because when I come home from work, I always want to have a little snooze, and when I." put my head down, I'll put my bad ear up, and that way my, all the noise my wife is making, I won't be woken up for supper. And we prayed accordingly. You think that was funny? Um, God healed his one side. There's times that God heals. There's times that we ask, and it amazes us that he heals. There's times that we ask, and God says, no. Divine healing is not a cookie-cutter approach, folks. It is God's kids asking God for the miraculous. Thirdly, we need to ask with a clean heart. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Confess your sin one to another. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says that. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But our iniquities have separated you from your God, and our sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear us. Fourthly, ask in faith. James chapter 1, verse 6. When we ask God for things, believe. Don't doubt. God will give you faith if you ask. Many times faith is born out of a time of prayer, or sorry, pain and discouragement. I love the story of in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 9, verse 22 and on. A dad was bringing his son to Jesus saying, if you can, please heal him. And Jesus kind of pushed back. What do you mean, if I can? And then he said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Years ago, we had a healing service in our church. Many of you remember it. Maybe many of you were just new and you weren't here. And I did a, a couple of messages on healing. And then I asked people to get in the aisle and come to the front to be prayed for. I thought we'd have four or five people. The aisles on both sides were filled with people back to and into the lobby of our sanctuary. Wow. And God did some amazing things. He did that then. He can do that again. The only difference is this whole pandemic thing has us. 
And as I've prayed for this this week, I've been grieving that we won't be able to get together and lay hands on each other and confess sin to one another and have God visit us as that way. But maybe uh, you as family can get together and go through this and pray together, pray for one another. You know that uh, Jewish folks pray for their kids, lay hands on their kids, and the father of the house lays hands on his wife every Friday and praise God's healing and blessing over them. Maybe you need to do that. If you're together in your small group, anoint your leader who can pray over you, us as a church. But you can't really do that all on your own. You got to be with somebody. So I would say to you, go to that brochure, walk through that brochure. Let us as elders know, maybe we can have a, have a, a Zoom prayer with you or maybe in, in person, we'll kind of see. But let us know that way through our church uh, office. And uh, if God wants us this, this to happen and uh, you are willing, we'll set us say, a way up to make this happen. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for the mystery, the wonder of healing prayer. We pray that you would continue to work in us and through us, but this would be a, something that would bolster your kingdom coming and your will be done and being done here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you that you heal. Thank you that you do say no, but you are always with us through our problems. Thank you that you call us to this amazing and glory ministry in our church. May it continue to grow. And may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you, folks.